Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in.
And good Friday afternoon, Mental Speak family. You are listening to the Fishbowl Radio Network, world-renowned Fishbowl Radio Network. I am your host, LaTanya Davison, licensed master social worker, or something like that. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Friday. Hello, Dallas-Fort Worth metro area. Hello, global listeners, wherever you are in the world listening this evening. Thank you so much for tuning in. We truly appreciate you. We're shouting out the folks over there at Millwood Hospital. What up? It's a good night. (laughs) It's a great evening to be talking about something that is near and dear to my heart. Um, It's a very real reality for me. Um, And I have some really brave and courageous women here tonight to talk with me about it. Hi, Ashley. Hello. Hey. Um, and I also have comedian, uh, registered nurse, Ashley. Okay. <laughs> she's here to, she's here to bring the, um, the clinical, clinical aspect to our discussion tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk about mental illness, uh, specifically amongst black women tonight. Um, it is a conversation that I think has been long overdue. I don't, I don't know that we've heard it, um, in too many circles. So I have, Ashley, and I also have comedian Tanya Tantan Houston. Hey, Hello. lady. Hi. Um, they were almost, you guys were like, I'm not going to say you were excited, but you were like open. You were so open to come and do this. There was no, I mean, Ashley was like, I'll come on. I'll come on, Latanya, and I'll do this. Um, so the first thing I want to say uh, to the listeners this is this is something that you know it's mental illness is going to be i mean it's a it's a global it's a it's a human condition right but it does affect different groups in different ways um and i think uh there's different stigmas for different groups there may be a stigma overall and we're going to talk about that we're going to get into that but the reason that i uh went specifically with black women tonight is one because they both volunteered and stepped up to do it i'm eventually going to cover i'll cover you know uh mental illness and white men down the line because it's it it shows itself very specific to that demographic. Uh, we've done mental illness amongst uh, the Latino community. Um, so tonight we're going to talk specifically uh, with black women because it is a conversation that needs to be had. Um, I want to preempt it with, you know, these women are going to open up. They're going to open up and share their experience. I, I as well. And we're going to do it for the simple fact that it needs to be done. Families uh, for too long have swept mental illness issues under the rug. Um, You may have been a part of a family that may have called uh, people who had issues just crazy. It was just, oh, she's just crazy. Um, Those, you know, that, that time is over. We're leveling up. We are evolving. And it is time for us to actually get specific and start really, you know, discussing on an intellectual level, which is what we do at Mental Speak. Uh, we talk about the issues that are taboo, the issues that are untouchable, the things that we're afraid to talk about. We're going there with no fear. Uh, we're going to do it courageously, and we're going to do it in a way that opens up a discussion in your home, amongst your uh, family members and in your circles, uh, so that we can start to deal with it. And the main goal is to get people help. We want people to actually seek out help and to not be afraid to get help and to not be afraid to be labeled. 
So that's the number one thing I want us to do tonight. And I want you to remember in the back of your head that, you know, calling someone crazy is, is it's, it's hurtful. You know what I mean? It's harmful. I've done it. I ain't gonna lie. I still do it. <laughs> but in the sense that, you know, we say it jokingly and we even say, say it lovingly sometimes. It can be a term of endearment. But when someone really, truly does have issues going on, I want you to avoid the crazy label and really see what's going on on a deeper level. Okay, sweet. So, <laughs> ladies, just thank you so much for being here. And thank you for. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yes, thank thank you. you. Ashley, you stepped up. Yes. You did. You said, Latanya, I will come and I will, I will go there. When were you diagnosed and what were you diagnosed with? Um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 19. Um, that was probably way back in like 2005. 2005. Yeah. So you're going on. Okay. Okay. I'm a social worker, so I don't do math. I think that's 13 years. <laughs> 13 years. 13 years. Okay. Did you, prior to the diagnosis, um, what, what was your life like? What were the symptoms? What? I think I had a normal life until I went off to college and I battled with depression for a few months and they put me on a medication which helped exhibit um, the signs and symptoms of bipolar disorder. It amplified it. Amplified it. So um, my family actually noticed it first because they have experience with mental illness, luckily for me, having a very supportive family. Um, so that's how... It was first di diagnosed with depression, and then they put me on medication. It ex exemplified all the symptoms, grandiose, paranoia set in, things of that nature. And that's when I went into um, bipolar disorder okay. diagnosis. And did it, was it something that, um, do you attribute it to what we say hereditary factors? Do it definitely yeah. is hereditary in my family. Um, my mother has um, schizophrenia, so it's definitely hereditary. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Tantan. Hey. Yes. Hey, hey. Hey. When and what? Um, officially probably about around the same time, two thousand five. Um before that I had I knew I knew I had, I had depression since a small child. But it got to the point to where uh it was getting really bad about that time because other issues and everything and got diagnosed with depression, anxiety, PTSD. Um tried numerous meds um they don't seem to help so ssris are not for me so i just try to deal with it the best i can and we're gonna we're gonna get into that we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh medication we we were talking before the show just like we're like girl does that work for you does that work for you that don't work for me that don't work for me yes um we'll talk about you know um all those aspects of seeking help getting help um i i want to take phone calls 214-717-4678 214-717-4678 you're calling into the red bull now here's the deal i am so afraid of answering that phone <laughs> i'm so afraid of what i'm here on the other end so if you're calling in do me a favor um you know, do me a favor and, you know, focus, focus it so that we can make sure that people are getting help out there. Um, I'm going to share mine. I, I am a veteran of the Navy, uh, 14 years and I first experienced depression 
in 97. No, it was actually would have been 1996, right after I went into boot camp. I remember very specifically the day that my brain broke. Mm -hmm. I felt like a pop. And and I think just the, you know, obviously the stress of being in the military um, in and of itself is going to be stressful. Right. I had never been away from home. Sleep was off. Eating was off. And before I knew it, within that next year, I was not leaving my barracks room. I was sleeping all the time. I had lost all joy in any doing anything. Um, anxiety set in, panic attacks, all those kinds of things. So, And that's typical of what we hear. People have gone in the military. But the thing about it, y'all, is in 1996, I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. No one had ever talked to me about it. And that's why this show to me is so near and dear to my heart because I was going through it on my own. I was being called crazy by coworkers. I had told people, I told people that something was wrong. I just didn't know what. I didn't even know to go to the doctor to get help. So to the listeners out there, if you, you know, if this is something you've been dealing with, you know, you're just, you're off. Your emotions are not being regulated. You know, you're flying off the handle. Okay, I do that on a natural. I do that every day. Okay, <laughs> I just want to put that out there. But it, <laughs> but you know, you can't attribute it to anything. You can't attribute it to hey, I'm stressed. I've been working a lot, and then you you pinpoint it. Um, depression comes on. How? How did you experience it? So they can. For me, my experience was sleeping all the time. I can so identify to that. Um, not wanting to socialize with my social peer, with my peers, um, things of that nature. I just, it was just a big change. I think um, be, going away from family, first year of college, was just definitely hard on me. So, so, and that's it. Like the isolation, right? Mm -hmm. There's some, there's a change. What about for you, Tantan? Um, how does it manifest itself with me? Um. Right now, currently, um, insomnia, loss of appetite, isolation. You don't want to be around anybody. Um, when I was younger, um, nobody talked about depression. It was, uh, I just knew I was sad, and that's all I, how I described it. And then as I got older, Oprah came along, and that was she was my therapist for a long time because she right. was really the only one that was really talking about <laughs> Self -help. it. Self-help, yep. And then... When it got to the point where I was getting diagnosed, that's when I started uh, to go to therapy because I was trying to kind of nip it in the bud, kind of, sort of, so, so to speak. But okay. so I did that for a while. But um, physically, it can take its toll. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know that, you know, same thing for me. It was the, the physical aspect uh, for me. Then it continued on. It was uh, crying. For, you know, uncontrollably, right? Just, oh. just no reason, <laughs> no reason. Um, and then you can't attribute it for women. You may think it, it, your menstrual cycle, right? You're thinking, oh, okay, you know, I'm just, I'm just PMSing. That's all. <laughs> That's what's going on. I'm PMSing. Um, then before you know it, it's not getting out of bed, right? It's, it's not moving forward um, in any aspect of your life. You're just kind of functioning, trying to get through the day. And um, before you know it, 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 it literally is what I tell uh, the people that I work with is that it's a, it's a, it's a break. It's a, 
it's a brain attack. So we know what a heart attack is, but how <laughs> I tell feel like your brain is broken. <laughs> you do. Just, you don't know how to fix it. You don't. Um, so I know with a lot of my my uh, people that come into the hospital that I work with, they'll say, you know, well, I don't I don't need to be here. You know, I don't need to be here. And I'll say, well, what was going on in your in your world before you came? I wasn't sleeping. I've been, you know, I, I don't eat hardly or I eat too much or and, I th- and then I had thoughts of suicide. Right. I had thoughts of dying. No, you're broken. That's that's a that's a brain attack. You're in the right place. You're in a hospital. Um, so fast forward to for myself and where I want you all to get into this. Um, finally got to that place of feeling suicidal, got to that place of feeling suicidal and um I had it was a cry for help for me. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to die. Did you guys get to the place of suicide? Have you ever gotten that far? Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is you. I want to to the listener. For those of you, if you're not watching on Facebook, like I'm looking at all of our faces. It's <laughs> right, right. It's it's that. But I'm telling you, we're doing this. We're going in. Yeah. We're going in. Yes. I'm I'm gonna lead. Yes, I got there. I got to that point because what had happened is I was I was hurting so bad. Mm-hmm. And what I want people to understand is suicidal ideation. The thought of it isn't often it's not selfish. It's not always from a place of like you want to hurt someone else. It's you don't want to hurt anymore. Exactly. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, the pain is just really unbearable. You can't see a way of continuing on. Um, I think my first suicidal thought came at the age of 13. So I always knew that I was a little off or something was different. But um, my first suicidal thought came at 13. And there was no, I can't pinpoint it. It was just depression. I can't explain it. Yeah. Yeah, one day you're fine. And then the next day you could just totally be, like you said, crying for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um it just comes out of nowhere sometimes it'll be a short period sometimes it could be six months a year it, mm. you don't ever know you don't you don't and so let's let's talk about this real quick what is what are people seeing around you what do you think that people are observing when you're in that depressive state what is what are the things that people were saying um i hide it so well um, I think people that are really close to me see it. They just see me isolate um, and just be really quiet. Did you learn to hide it? Yes, I learned to hide it because it was just, why am I sad? I don't know why. I don't have a reason why. So I hid it very well. I think I, I went above and beyond. I had a bubbly personality to hide it. That's actually pretty, pretty. I wonder how many people do that. That's, it, that's more exhausting than just being normal because you're doing double duty yeah. you have to go to work and put on that face mm-hmm. be around everybody yeah. and act like you're just like everybody else and then you get home and you break down and you cry <laughs> exactly and you yourself yeah <laughs> it definitely is hard but that also makes me think of robin williams yeah you would have never thought he yeah. would have done something like that and then when he finally did it it was just a, a complete shock and tanya tantan that that's one thing that um, I when I did the roundtable with the comedians about how comedians, right, were the clown, were the clown. Dan Danzi came on and talked <laughs> yeah. about it, and and so for you, as a comedian, how much has your comedy masked the pain? Um, well, if if at all, if at all, 
the way I do my comedy, um, I kind of joke about it. So you are pretty straight up. Yeah, yeah it's, they're true, but <laughs> I don't think I really try to mask it. I think people probably think I'm telling a, a story or something or making it up. But I try to just laugh at my pain. I don't have any other choice. I mean, I cry enough as it is. So uh, I guess getting on stage is the only way I can. Um, I don't know. Got kind of get back at depression. I guess. <laughs> I wonder what is that? Yeah, I get. I still haven't. I, I feel like we're gonna have like five more conversations about it this year to try to get to the root of that. I mean, and, and, you know, I always try to come at it from the science of it as to why we have to laugh about it. Did you, did you experience like within your family, has it become like a joke about, you know, no, it's, it's not a joke. They're very, oh, she said, it ain't nothing funny. It's not that funny. nothing funny. Yeah. Um, I'll make a joke, but I think for uh, people that are close to me, uh, if they joke about it, 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 it hurts, but other people, it's just, I just kind of laugh it off and just, I still laugh about taking meds. So it's, you know, why are you so happy? It's my meds. Yeah. <laughs> that's too funny because yeah. that's, yeah, that's, that's where I got into. So let me, so let me go back. And, and we're going to so what I'm doing is I'm just kind of laying the foundation of, you know, even my my our, our experiences um, coming into the diagnosis and then dealing with it. And then we're going to go in throughout the show. We're going to go in and talk about each little situation as far as the stigma. Right. There's a lot of stigma that goes along with um, that goes along with it that we want to tear down today. Uh, we want to talk about pursuing medication, pursuing help. We want to talk about the experience of um, going into the hospital or not going into the hospital. <laughs> That's the scary part. <laughs> That's the scary part. Um, we're going to, we really want to just give you the courage we want to give you the courage. We really, 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 that's, if nothing else that you feel coming through this microphone or that you feel coming through through your Facebook feed, get the courage, right? Because on the other side of, of your fear is going to be the help, right? And the more you, one thing I really, really submit to my patients and, and people that I work with is when you understand something, when you understand what you're going through, it it you may not necessarily overcome it right i feel like i still deal every day with you know with all my diagnoses but at least i know what the hell is going on you know what i mean like when you know what's going on you can you can continue to push through so that's that's what we're gonna do today that's what we do at mental speak there's there's a there's a light at the end of your tunnel
Welcome back to the Mental Speak Radio Show on the Fishbowl Radio Network, broadcasting to you live here from the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex in Arlington, Texas. I want to put this out real quick. I got to tell you guys, Fishbowl is leveling up, leveling up. If you drive in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you drive down I-30 going into Dallas um, or you're traveling down 360, man, we have... Billboards, billboards. The first, first of all, a lot of people don't know this, but Fishbowl Radio Network started by Sylvia Sammy G. St. John Martinez. She is a pioneer. She is a pioneer. Um, Fishbowl is the first internet radio station of its kind. It's the largest in the world, personality driven. Um, And it's also now the first internet radio station to have billboards. So if you're traveling through the Metroplex, you can see all of our shows uh, while you're traveling through the Metroplex. So it is pretty awesome. We're like leveling up. And Mental Speak family, you're helping. You're helping this happen. You're tuning in and you're giving me feedback and you're telling me what it is that you need to hear to find mental and emotional balance in your life. And so that's the goal of this show. Listen, I'm walking the path with you. I am a social worker, uh, but... I don't even have it all together, uh, so I'm I'm with you guys uh, every day as we try to figure this out. Uh, I say every week there's a lot of craziness going on in the world, uh, particularly here in America, right? But everyone around the world is is experiencing some kind of um, strong emotional uh, turmoil, right? There's a lot going on, and so I feel like this ex- this experience is something we we share together. Okay. So let's get back into the conversation. I'm talking to Miss Ashley. Would you you care if I say your last name? I just want to make sure. Yeah, put that, you out there. That'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> they already see your face. Too hey, late. Too late. I done tagged you and everything. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Ashley Elix, because she's so brave today. Miss mm-hmm. Tanya Tonton, Houston comedian, mm-hmm. local DFW comedian. Uh, these women, again, if you're just tuning in, very brave to do this. We're talking specifically about mental illness amongst black women. Um, it just happens to be the first demographic, and I can share my story as well. But this applies to anyone, okay? Making sure that you guys understand that the nuggets that we're going to share today is so that you can begin to open up for yourself, um, begin to open up conversation with your families, and then also be able to get help. So next step. When depression entered into your life how did it affect your life how did it affect the day-to-day um i'm gonna say i want to say operations but how did it affect you day-to-day it made it harder it's like um explaining it to someone would be like going up a uh, up a hill 
I mean, just getting out of bed, going to class, going to work, um, functioning, even talking to someone on the phone is just difficult. Mm -hmm. So for all y'all out there whose family member don't call you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah she don't never answer her phone that's me she, she don't text back she don't text me back i might be asleep might be sleep might, might be resting because it makes you tired yeah, yeah it makes you tired fatigue Ton-ton. i'm at the point now where uh if i'm in deep depression i'll just i will text them and say look i'll call you when i feel better because yeah. most of my friends already know i'm crazy yeah. so uh even though we're not supposed to say that word. What, hey, but I always say I'm crazy. Term of endearment. Yeah, I always say I'm crazy, not crazy, crazy, you know. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's the thing. To me, there's a difference. I'm going to, and I'm going to say it like this, especially as a comedian, we can remove the stigma of a word even, right? Like, ah, oh, girl, girl crazy. You know, it, it's, Ashley, you said the fear for you was when, if someone knows that you have the diagnosis, that's when the concern comes in because then they start using it against you. Yeah, they use it as an insult. So right. I'm I'm just right. ready for it. Just go ahead and call me bipolar B. I already know it's coming. Just say it. Yeah. Just say it. So at least I know where you stand at. Yes. You know where you stand. Yeah, I know. Like, where I look, I'm the one that got the diagnosis <laughs> in the papers. What and they doing? usually <laughs> use it when I'm. I feel like I'm justifiably angry. How dare you? Right. That's and that's why this is so necessary. <laughs> Can we please like understand everybody is going to be emotionally dysregulated at some point in time. We're all stressed, mm-hmm. right? Everybody is having to find a way to eat right now. Everybody's trying to find a way to eat and keep a roof over their heads. Don't you guys feel like sometimes like just living, just like getting up just to try to <laughs> like, survive, just trying to Life. keep a house, man. <laughs> Like, let alone let your brain break and then try to do it. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I think, you know, when I see people who are homeless, who are house house deficient, houseless, um, and I know that, you know, there's, they said mental illness, right, Mm -hmm. is a precipitating factor for a lot of people who are homeless because it is hard to exist as a human in this society. Yes, it's hard enough, just basic stuff, but when you add the mental illness on top of it, it just eh, exacerbates everything. So it just, like she said, like, you think you're doing everything at a normal pace, but like Mm -hmm. when I was, had a nervous breakdown, I would be walking, thinking I'm walking normal, Mm -hmm. and people would just be flying by me, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just to take a shower, Yes. to everything would just wear you out. It's just, you're just... Worn out, exhausted. Takes it, takes its toll. Yeah, that that is the number one thing I could remember when I was on base. And this is, you know, for the we have veterans who are listening. Um, when you're on the base and you have to, a lot of places when you first get there, you don't have a car, so you have to walk places. So I would have to walk to uh, to get to go eat at the chow hall, and to, to go get food. Like, I got to go get food. It's like, I don't have to eat. I don't need to eat. <laughs> I just don't even need to eat tonight. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know, people are like, miss a meal, what? Yeah. Um, but the the number one telltale sign that someone is probably struggling with some kind of mental illness is going to be the basic things that they need to do to get um, is going to is going to taper off. They're not showering. 
they're not getting out of bed to take care of the basic necessities. Mm-hmm. No. It's not laziness, though. Fam, yeah. I need y'all to really get this. It is not laziness. Yeah, it's totally different. Totally different. What does it look like? What makes depression different from laziness? Because you want to do those things. You just physically can't. You want to get out. You want to be with your friends. You want to talk on the phone. It's just you don't have those words. You don't have the... You don't have the motivation, basically, just to live, to yeah. function, yeah. to get out, to do those things. Even though, in reality, you live in America, what, one of the richest countries in the world. Realistically, logically, you think, like, why am I depressed? There's no reason for you really to be depressed when there's third world countries that are way worse or everything you can think of, all the scenarios. But it's depression and it's and it's real i mean a lot of people will say i don't believe in depression well mm-hmm. you know what there's a lot of things people don't believe in that doesn't mean it doesn't exist right exactly and that's another thing it's Tantan, you just brought up something that is probably the number one thing why people don't speak it <sighs> what is wrong with you like <sighs> dude do, don't you understand there are little kids it, you know, like you said, they're, 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 they're eating out of, out of uh, trash dumps, right? You have a house. You have a car. You have a job. You have a degree. You have a degree. How, what are you depressed about? So families, if you've ever said that to someone, you have to stop because it's an additional burden. And it's then something. don't. Oh, yeah. sorry. No, then why? don't ask us why we're not calling or why mm. we're not talking. Why would I want to talk to someone that's just always going to put me down? That's where the isolation begins 100%. The isolation begins when you start to realize they don't get it. Yeah. You don't, you're not going to get it. And so that you'll see the person start to isolate more into their world. Um, You won't have a desire to even connect. Now, dating. Oh, my. (laughs) A relationship. (laughs) I know. That's a big thing you have to think about because who's going to... they're going to have to deal with that. And do you want someone to have to deal with it? Because you can tell them you have depression, but living with it or dealing with it is a whole different thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's hard to date. Yeah, trying to get your family who somewhat have to deal with you rather than someone who doesn't have to deal with you. Right. I definitely hide my diagnosis when I was dating. Yeah. I didn't tell anybody until yeah. I've known you for about a year. Because when you say the words depression or bipolar disorder there's yeah. this attached image to to it and people don't want to deal with it and At you all. know i guess i can understand it and maybe it's difficult on them but yeah. there's a de- definitely attached image or perception for sure to a diagnosis i don't ever try to hide it because i don't know when it's going to happen so you might as well know up front <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love that no. i wish i was that brave awesome. but i just felt like i wanted a chance to get to know someone and have them get to know me rather than bipolar Ashley just get to know Ashley. Right. And that's, that's again, talking, 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 communicating about it. This is, this for me is step one. I haven't seen a platform that has allowed us to do it. Like you said, other than Oprah, we had, yeah, Oprah, <laughs> oh, yeah, Oprah, Oprah was, 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 was it for us. Um, and it, it, but it still, we still kept it in our home. Yeah. Black families, black families, and mental illness. I think they just try to protect you. I hear a lot of, they're going to lock you up. They're going to lock you up. Or, 
I think the thing with the families, um, the whole thing, especially with black people, you always have to try to do better than the other, your other ethnic counterparts and all that. They don't want you to be at a disadvantage, I guess, or whatever their reasoning is. But I think that's, if you can, if you know what's going on, the the sooner you know what's going on, the sooner you can start doing something about it. Right. And you I think better. once, yeah, you don't want to be, once it gets hardwired, it's harder to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I think instead of them shunning it, they should be more open to listen, listen. Yeah. yeah. That's the main thing. Listen. It's, it's so funny because my family, um, <laughs> so I, I, I'll, I'll continue the story of my uh, if you're just tuning in um, you know I was went through depression while I was on active duty in the military and so it you know progressed um, and then literally it was one night I just or, or one afternoon I just was like I'm I'm done and I think I had broken up with my boyfriend and and I just that was it I was like you know what no I just I can't hurt anymore because remember at that point it's physical it's not even just the mental and the emotional pain, but you literally are hurting from, you know, just the constant tiredness and the fatigue and, and being called crazy and all those things. You're like, you know what? I'm out. So, so that's why, again, I say for those of you, if you reach that point, don't think of it as selfish. Think of it as that's the point of, of point break. And that's where change can come. So I, you know, I made the determination. I'm gone. I knew it was a cry for help because I only took six pills. And then it was like, and it was Motrin. I'm not making light of it, but what I'm saying is, is there can be a difference between someone wanting to, you're going to go all out lethal, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think what I'm noticing is the severity of which you want to stay or go. A person who absolutely wants to go, goes. A person who may be crying for help, you may see the, the attempt in a different kind of, you know, it's just enough to say, look, I'm, I'm hurting. So that was me. Um, you had asked me if I'd ever been in a, a mental health facility, and we talked about that. We said we're going to yeah. get into that. So I, you know, took the pills, ended up at the hospital, and then they took me to uh, the psych- psychiatric floor um, of the of the Navy hospital. And um, <laughs> man, my first thought: these people are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the like, first time. Man, he's full of the hair. It's crazy. I just, I'll never forget a girl sitting next to me. She's like, I like your boots. And I'm like, okay. You know, she's she's crazy. I'm just sitting there just marking everybody in there. I'm okay because I'm just depressed. <laughs> and now I don't already cross that, that barrier. I'm fine. I'm good. Right? I don't need to be in here. So it's what, what, what's the number one thing we hear? <laughs> number one thing that we hear? That we hear in the hospital. First um, thing. Well, that we're crazy. Well, that no for the, from our for the people we work with when they. Oh come yeah, in, I don't need to be here. I don't need it's, to be. Yeah, here. I need to go. I don't need to be here. I don't even need to be here. Yeah. You took, I don't know. You took twenty five pills. pills. Yeah. You know, you 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 might need help. You mm-hmm. might need help. So so we hear things like that. But I've walked that path. I went through that as well, and I was like, I don't I don't need to be here. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. I'm fine. Well. That psychiatrist, uh, he labeled me like borderline or something like that, and then he let me go. I lied. I lied. I was like, I don't. I'm fine. I'm good. Um, I was just. I had a moment, you know. I broke up with my boyfriend, and 
and he's like, okay, so he lets me go. Irony would have it, my mother ended up passing away um, a few months later, and then I ended up having to go back to the same psychiatrist. So full circle. Ended up back eight months later. I'm depressed, right? Um, so what I say to people is don't lie to yourself because you're going to end up right back where you started if you don't deal with it. Tell us about your first time having to go for treatment. Um, the first time was definitely scary. Um, I was in full psychosis at the time, so everybody and everything was just trying to attack me or try to get at me. Um, it was also a very depressing experience just because I didn't go to a very nice facility. Um, they were really rude to us, um, throwing food at us. Yeah, like kind of treating me like I was nothing. Um, I, luckily for me, I have family that checked me out as quickly as possible. And then I ended up staying at a um, children's hospital in Dallas. Um, and this was in 05? Yeah, way back okay. in 2005. That was okay. my first experience. And um, I had one-to-one because -one I was just completely out of it. I don't know how else to explain it. Just full-blown psychosis. Um, not wanting to live anymore. Yeah. 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 First, first, first episode. Um, that'd be... Um, for treatment? For treatment, yeah. Um, that was uh, back in 2012 when I had my nervous breakdown at work, actually, which is the worst place. And uh, they made me go to JPS. And, um, Good old JPS. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually was, you know, where they send you to, wherever the place is there. Yeah. And I was, I was like, no, I'm not staying there. I have yeah. insurance. So I was like, no. Um, then uh, my friends, we came home and looked, and then I ended up at Baylor All Saints, and I was in their PHP for about uh, six weeks. Um, I still don't think that was long enough, and I've been in other places, but that was PHP, so I wasn't in full time. But um, okay. and, the, and PHP is partial hospitalization. This it's oh, the you go every day for thirty days, give or take. Yeah. And so you were you were approaching it from the um, the outpatient approach, right? Um, what were the fears of, of getting help initially? Did you have any? Yes, I was terrified, but I knew I needed help. I didn't know what to do, and my friends were like, "We gotta do something." So they helped me. They went with me. So support support network. Yeah, I wouldn't have gone if they didn't go. How does a person begin to open up and even say? I need help. And who, to whom? How did you, how did you first get help? How I first got help, um, so my backstory was I had depression before I got the bipolar disorder okay. um, diagnosis. So the depression, um, I went to my dad. He's a great support when it comes to mental health. I just called my dad one day. I was like, you know what? I'm just depressed. I can't get out of bed. School's really hard for me to function. Um, so he came up there and like we just went to the campus doctor. And they put me on my first medication. So it was stepping up and, and, and taking the initiative. Mm -hmm. I say that to people who, um, you know, to listeners, where you, um, let's say you, you, you're feeling, you, you haven't been feeling well, you don't feel like, um, you don't feel like yourself. Because um, the hardest part, I think the hardest part for me, again, is I didn't have the information. So I didn't, I knew something was wrong but it does seem to take 
a crisis in some cases. Like, you know, for some people, it takes that moment of crisis that something happens, whether it's a suicide attempt or they act out. And um, do you think that people are likely to go on their own or do they have to wait for that crisis to happen? I think a lot of people have to wait for a crisis to happen. And I just want everybody to realize you're one event away from being hospitalized. You really, truly are. Um, Divorce. My goodness, someone passes in your family. You're just one event away. It's true. What did what did what did a mental breakdown look like for you? Oh gosh, I don't know. I was just at work and I just couldn't stop crying. I went to a friend that happened to be a, a licensed counselor at work. Um, she worked with me, and I just told her, I said, I'm feeling suicidal, you know, and. Um, That was that. It's real. It is. And that, that, I I feel, it's like you're taken back to that day. You're taken back to that day, to that moment. For you, what, have you, have you started to uncover what led to that? Is it, is it some, was it, was it life? Oh, it was like a lot of stuff yeah. that back then I was going to therapy before that, but because um, I was trying to, like I said, nip it in the bud yeah. and actually does run in my family, whether they want to admit it or not. And you heard that family. <laughs> we want you to get help. And <laughs> it just I don't know that day. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling it, sis. I'm feeling <laughs> it. No, it, it's, it's the same thing. It's it's. Look, there's there's diabetics. There are people who have diabetes. There are people who have arthritis. Oh, there's all kinds of love coming across the screen. Tan tan. There's all this <laughs> hearts. You see that? There were there were hearts coming across the screen. So there's support there. Um, but there are people who have all kinds of conditions, right? All kinds of physical conditions. This is a condition. That's it. It's, it's a physical condition that manifests itself the the symptoms are the emotional the inability to regulate regulate your emotions the person is not faulty the body systems are faulty right something has happened within that body that led to that moment of break that person is not weak that person is not less than that person is not crazy that person is not incapable. That's actually telling you that the body still, the mechanism that tells the body that something's wrong with the emotional state, it just told you something was wrong. So the emotional breakdown does not make the person weak. That's what you have to understand. If you hear nothing else today, fam, that person, their, their, their mind has come to the point that it can't bear anymore. It's the same thing as if you pick up a a weight that's too heavy at the gym, you're going to buckle. You're going to fall. I had a lot of stress at work. I had been assaulted and harassed, and it just was over the years. And it was the government, so Mm. I don't know why, but they just kept giving me a hard time. So it was just a hard time for me at work. And then on top of all that, trying to deal with it, and it just got to the point I just broke down. And, and we're all guilty of it, right? We're all guilty of seeing that person like, dang, what happened to so-and-so? But at the end of the day, it's like, dang, I hope, you know, so-and-so 
now I know with myself, I'm able to see it with new eyes, especially because I'm in the profession. But even personally, I'm able to see it differently. Whereas I thought I was weak, too. Like, why can't you just handle, you know, what's wrong with you? You're supposed to be able to handle it. And I think specific to black women, everyone has a load to carry. Each demographic, each tribe has has a specific load that they have to carry in this society. Right. We're not undermining what anybody else has experienced but for us it's really get it together you can't break you better not break you get up get to work get your bills paid girl you don't pay your bills you sound like my mom take care of the kids <laughs> strong black woman strong black woman you, you gotta do it break. on your own can't take a break I'm guilty of it I'm totally guilty of it um, but the goal now is just to recognize Hey, if we're taking on, you know, these these roles in society where we have to carry a lot, we need to understand that there is going to come a point where you're going to break. You are going to break. And then when you break, you need to know what to do next. If you're watching someone break, you need to know how to help them. And that's what we're going to make sure that we cover today and make sure we get to that. We said we want to hear some doggone Nirvana. That's what we said. (laughs) And we're going to do that. And on the other side, we will help you with practical tips of how to move forward, how to uh, get help for, for your mental illness, how to start to stand up and be brave. Um, you are strong, right? You already are strong. And now you just need to know how to get yourself to the, to the point of healing.
welcome back to the Mental Speak Radio Show on the Fishbowl Radio Network. I am your host, Latanya Davison, licensed master social worker, and I am sitting in today with registered nurse Miss Ashley Elix and comedian Miss Tanya Tantan Houston. We have been talking about our own personal experiences with having mental illness diagnoses and and being black women and what we've realized is that from from just from the feedback and the responses is people are feeling this because it's no it's not just a black woman thing of course not but by sharing our experiences people are finding themselves in you know in their own experience um whether it's facing the stigma of of having mental illness diagnoses of being uh told by your family to just get it together just to get over it what's your problem you have everything you want in the world you know what's going on with you um we are digging within ourselves to open up so that you can find the strength in yourself to open up to get the help that you need you've got to get help you've got to get help um I can't stress that anymore. So we're going to talk about the barriers to getting help. We're going to talk about the barriers to, to taking medication, right? The issues of medication. So let's just jump right back in. The barriers to getting help. You got help. Your friends came and said, girl, you're going to come and you're going to get help. Pretty much, yeah. Dad said, you're going to get help. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what happened in my situation. Uh and my family got word because, of course, they have to contact the family. I was at the Naval Hospital. Uh, for those tuning in, had my own issue with depression, uh, had a suicide attempt and um, at the hospital. And uh, I lied. I'm discharged. I get back to, to life. And my family calls because they get word. And the response, I'll never forget. And my grandfather called me and he was like, hi. And I'm like, hi. So is the weather good down there? (laughs) (laughs) We didn't, he didn't even know what to say. He didn't know what to say. And I don't even think we ever had the conversation. Ironically, the only family member that I ended up having the conversation with was my mother. Okay. And my mother This was the last conversation I ever had with my mother. It was March 1998. And I I had to tell her what happened. And she said, oh, my God, I've been depressed since she was 13 years old. Right. She had been depressed since she was 13 years old. And so I never knew what was going on with my mom. I never knew that she had been experiencing depression. She slept all the time and she kind of struggled a little bit. But like my whole life came full circle. That was the one person that finally understood and got it, right? So all that being said, family members, you, you're the, it sounds to me, or friends, you're the key. You may be the key to helping someone to finally make sense of it, to knowing exactly what's going on with them. Getting from, I know something's wrong with me, to the hospital. What's that step? What's that step going to require? Courage. Ooh. Tons of courage. Uh, admitting that there is something wrong in you, with you right now or in your life is, is scary. 
you don't know what to expect you don't know what anybody's gonna think about it but at some point level I just had to not care what does it take what if your friends hadn't gotten you there have you ever thought about it yeah um Yeah. I probably wouldn't be here. That's how real this is. That's how real this is. That's why just sitting back and calling that person crazy, you're watching the person and you're not realizing that it's pain, that it's that they're literally hurting. You know, as we we've said it, it's a condition. So you're sitting there watching someone hurting and if it's just labeling that person crazy you're you're gonna you're gonna miss an opportunity to, to actually help help someone to get help so we said we're afraid of going to the hospital or we're afraid of going to the doctor right black folk black families oh my god <laughs> but to our credit though we haven't had a great experience over the 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 decades with right medical right. community at all no they i think they do, they they're quick to put you on antidepressants or they treat you differently. Yeah. There's a stigma like they're experimenting on you. Just keeping it real. Mm-hmm. But we also said that medication is a tool. We said that it's one tool. We've been sitting here, <laughs> so on the break, <laughs> man, we've been going through the, the PAMs, Lorazepam, mm-hmm. Lorazepam, and the Dones. Well, the all the Dones and the ends. Mm-hmm. and bar. Yep. So what are some of the fears of taking medication? What are some of the, the things that stop people from, you know, wanting to use that as a tool? Getting fat. Side effects. Side effects. Yeah. Side effects. Oh, man. Side the effects side are effects. sometimes worse than the depression or the yeah. other issues you're going, going through. Yeah. yeah. If I had to, I hate to say it, live my life being overweight because of a pill oh no I had to tell one doctor literally I will kill myself if I just continue to gain weight I just can't do it yeah it's not it's not worth it then you get all these other issues from it diabetes and I don't have time for that yeah is is it worth more than is it worth it to take the medication more than it is to live with the symptoms you know what I mean like you kind of like weighing out that's what you have to weigh out yeah yeah. yeah, I haven't had much success with the, uh, like I said, the SSRIs. Um, I wanted to get the ECT, but my family was like, no. Yeah. ECT, um, uh, for the listeners, ECT is uh, the electronic, what is it, the electrical compulsive oh, therapy? Compulsive th- yeah, so they literally <laughs> shoot. It's old school. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's old school stuff. But they're saying now that it's, quote, safer, but they actually tell you straight up that you can lose your memory. Um, what about have you ever tried holistic you ever you ever gone the holistic route no oh yes I've tried every you've route you've tried it is. all yeah I oh. think the I did do the therapy in conjunction with the medications for a while I mean I did have luck with a couple of medications but I only took them for like six months um, for me medications I don't want to take it long term because of the side effects I found my magic cocktail, so you found it. Yeah, yeah. If and I would have found yeah. one, I would have been fine with it. I just, I for me, 
the side effects are just too much. They're too much. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. not a big fan of the long acting. Um, I hate to say that on the air, but I'm not a big fan of long acting uh, medication, like the shots. Yeah. Because like the side effects are really bad. I can take the pill form and be fine, but the yeah. shots, I'm like too much. Yeah. yeah. And and eventually in time, fam, my goal is to have uh, psychiatric practitioners on. I've got a couple nurse practitioners. I have a psychi- a local DFW psychiatrist. Um, and if any out there, if you want to lend your expertise to uh, a future conversation about it, uh, because I think that we do need to talk about it. We do. People need to be educated on these medications. It's like we said, black, look, black folk have a history with yeah, human human experimentation's gone wrong, yeah. right? <laughs> so there is going to naturally, by virtue of that, be a fear. I will tell you what uh, the psychiatrist at the VA told me. He said that look, he, he's he's very open. He says medication is a tool. It's one tool, right? Okay, it's you have a toolbox, and he was he gave me the analogy. You know, I'm in my garage and and I'm going to work on my you know my project and he's like I got a toolbox I open it up and there's going to be a hammer and a screwdriver and um, you know a drill uh, whatever he has and he says so I'm going to get my hammer and I'm going to use it specifically to hammer right Mm -hmm. because that's what I need it for he said look at medication the same way there may be something very specific in your symptoms that you need to target whether it's the anxiety you know the depression um and you you can find yourself starting to feel better mm-hmm. uh, but it's just one aspect of it research shows that medication or therapy separate from one another do not work as well as medication and therapy yeah. together and you said you've found that to be true right okay. and my therapist he did the emdr and i think that was really helpful mm-hmm. yeah I've found that to be true as well. I just don't care to go. <laughs> hey, listen. So we got we to jump into this. As a therapist. No. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. Cause that, so let's go into that next. So I've had a bad experience. You had a bad experience. Yeah. What, what was that experience? Experiences with First of all, black folk like, I ain't telling nobody my problems. I'll get on <laughs> right. the couch and sing like a bird. I, I mean, I, I will do that. But... Um, I've had some flaky therapists that, you know, have a practice for a few months. We, you know, we finally get this rapport and finally get in the groove of it. And then it's like, oh, I don't take your insurance anymore. And that's not my, my fault. Can we work something right. out or starting over? They're closing yeah, the practice you know. or, you know. you know, oh, you know, they have a kid and they don't come back. And it's, it's not, life happens. So, yeah. Uh, I just, I just rather not get to know another therapist. I've had one therapist that I that was wonderful. Um, he moves. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one part of it too, fam. Is like you, you therapists are like shoes, man. You get a good, comfortable pair. Fit. Oh my yeah, gosh, you're gonna you wear. The, um, <laughs> you don't have the energy to start over again with another one because then they're gonna yes. say, "Tell me about your childhood." It's like. I've been through that. Went through yeah. that. Went through like, that. Yeah. 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 I, I am of the mindset that, again, a therapist is one tool in your toolbox. Um, because my goal here is please seek help. Please use practitioners. Please go and see those who 
uh, have gone through the studies uh, to be able to help you and assist you in this journey to healing. What I hope to add to that element is the ability to become more self-aware, right? To be more, to look at yourself and to see what it is that you need to do and to change. And then you have your practitioners in your back pocket to be able to guide you through the process. All of this is just, you know, it's, it's pieces of a, of a puzzle that we're putting together to find wholeness, right? That's what we're looking for. And so it's, it's going to require a team. It's going to require your family or some friends, some good people that won't judge you. And it's going to require that's the important part, not being judged. Not being judged. That's what I think that's the main yeah. fear. But that's getting what a help. therapist offers, right? That's so yes. that's what I wanted where I was Instead going. Instead of worrying about what your friends or family are going to think, yes. then you have an unbiased ear. Yes. Without the fear and stigma of being judged. That's exactly what would it and, and that's why I would say Please, at least if nothing else, if you are afraid to take the medications, at least find yourself a trusted therapist. And you may have to go through a few. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe we, you know, let's let's put that out there for people that if you if you get one bad apple, right? <laughs> or <a few. laughs> we are we are all bad. We're not all bad. And no. for the ones that don't want it in their medical records, a lot of churches offer counselors now. Yes. And then yes. there's other places you can go. Like one of my yes. good friends. He would. Get, he doesn't have depression. He doesn't understand it, but he tries to help me. My good friend Larry, and he gives me articles, and he's given me places to go for group therapy and for those kind of places. So, and I did do that for a while. Yeah. And there's one place in the DFW area. Can I shout him out? Because I sure. love them. Sure. Pastoral Care. Um, they're in Dallas, and they have another location somewhere else. I can't think. I want to say Louisville, but I could be wrong. They are great. Okay. They're very available therapist um yeah and they take a lot of insurances but yeah and this and another thing too also to add into where because we fishbowl is global so we're i know that we're talking to to countries that don't have access right so again what would you say to them there's there's no therapist there's no there's no medication what self help or group dynamics I mean, what what do we need because I'm of the mindset that that our community is broken because our society is broken right Mm -hmm. as we heal the individual this is my thought process we heal the individual what if we did not have practitioners but we still had this society you get what I'm saying this society has created this issue Mm -hmm. but what if we didn't have practitioners what would we do I'm not Come sure. Come on with it. Um, I guess there'd be more school shootings. Yeah, it's possible. It is so possible. I want you to. I want you to chew on that a little bit, Middle Speak fam. Thank you so much. If you're listening on the Fishbowl Radio app, if you're not, you need to download it off of uh, iTunes or Google Play. If you are at fbrn.us, you're listening to us on the Red Stream. And if you're on Facebook Live, hi, hey. We're here. I want to say thank you for listening in.
And welcome back to the Mental Speak Radio Show on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Listening to us live on the Red Stream. I'm your host, Latanya Davison, sitting in with Miss Ashley Elix and Miss Tanya Tantan Houston. Brave, brave ladies to come on today to help us to get the topic of mental illness out in the open to be discussed because it's so necessary. So necessary. Um, we're breaking through stigma, breaking through judgment. That's our goal. What did I say? We were. Where were we going next? I told. I got. I got memory. You, you said you got memory. Accepting reality. <laughs> accepting reality. I don't even remember. Up here talking. I don't even remember. The stats and accepting reality. That's it. Yeah. Stats, statistics. I always have to give stats. Fluffs it up and and supports the the topic. So. Twenty. When was this? Census Bureau. 2014, 13.2% of the U.S. population, 45.7 million people identify themselves as black or African-American. Yet, we are 20% more likely to experience mental illness. Why? Anyone? I just want you to see what you think. Why are we more likely, from your perspective, are we more likely to experience? Could it be the stressors in life? Yeah. Um, you have Poverty. yeah 20% more likely to experience mental health popula- uh, issues, including major depression, ADHD, HALA, suicide among young African-American men, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Some of the, what, what it's saying in this study is that African-Americans are more likely to be victims of violent crime more likely to experience homelessness at a greater risk. Um, African-Americans make up 40% of the homeless population. Exposure to violence increases the risk of developing a mental health condition such as depression, anxiety, or PTSD. African-American children are more likely to be exposed to violence than other children. Uh, They say lack of information and misunderstanding about mental health. That to me, that's like the number one thing that stands out. Like I said, my family, like, what happened to you? Like, <laughs> what you mean you want to die? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're breaking years of and generations of silence and and ignorance. And don't take ignorance to be an insult. Ignorance, as in we didn't know, we don't know. What do we need to do to know? I think you um, just need to know the symptoms and the signs when it's presenting itself. Talking. Talking. And let someone else know what's, what you're going through. Yeah. Let's get straight up. What do, what do we say? What do we call, now that we know what the symptoms are and the signs, what did we say before we got real about it? What are the kinds of things? We already got crazy. We know that one. What are some other things that people might observe in a person and think is really going on with them like you just can't get your life together get your life what else i'm trying to think of what we like what do people say like what do people say in in other words instead of gee i don't know if this is what white people do but like i picture white people going like gee he looks depressed no you know what i mean like we don't (laughs) have the language we don't as as a community generally i think that's what it is i didn't know what depression was Mm-hmm. I didn't even know the word. Yeah, I didn't know until I was, like I said, uh, 
I knew it as sadness, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, all, that's all I knew it as. I that's it as what I called sad. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think what I've observed is people, you're just saying that person, I mean, they just can't get their life together. Yeah. Right? They do, gosh, she always tripping. Or, um, I always thought you had it together. It's sometimes the opposite. They think that you always had it together. Right. Not saying that I don't. But still, yeah. yeah. But when to have that mental breakdown yeah. is like, dang, you know, what happened to you? Well, you know, I was just a little bit stressed out, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, so what I want to say is, let's when you seeing someone struggling emotionally, or you see someone who's highs and lows because bipolar. Yeah, it's a roller coaster. It's going to be a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. That's an issue. The person is not just quote crazy right if I see someone well I can if I was in a room full of kids or something I could probably point out who has anxiety who Mm -hmm. has this and who has that but just because I know what it looks like physically and what they're going to be doing Um, for instance one time I was at the TWC office because actually I'm on um, what do you call it disability for uh, depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. and I don't know one time I was up there for some kind of orientation or whatever it was and I noticed a guy across from me, and he was getting frustrated. And I don't know what was going on with him or what they had said to him, but he looked like one of those kind of guys that was going to go out to his car, get his gun, Yikes. and come back in. Yikes. And I just went over and started talking to him. And when I, by the time I left, he had left before me, and he pulled up in his truck, and he said, you know, thank you for talking to him. His whole demeanor had totally calmed down and changed. But he just looked so uptight and tense, like he was just going to snap. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I was like, I better do something because I don't want to be the victim. Yeah. Because a lot of people like, you know, all these shootings and stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I saw that coming. Well, do you want to be a victim or do you want to be a a helper? Yeah. You have a choice. Yeah. That's huge. If you see someone suffering, don't sit there and laugh, point fingers or make it worse. Because, yeah. It's not funny because no. you don't know what that person's thinking or going through. And that guy, I could tell just because I know how it manifests itself physically. Yeah. And I just went over. I don't know if he was going to go off on me or what. But I think with the, the climate that we're in, we just had that shooting in Florida. I think everybody should just take the time and look into the NAMI website. Look into yes. the, to the, to the signs and symptoms because... I mean, what if that saves their life? It saves your life? It saves your, your child's life? That's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, you can find so much information there. It's a great resource. I'm going to tell you guys straight up. I, I, full disclosure, as a mental health therapist, I can see it in other people. I could not see at the time when I, when I got out of the military. I've been out eight years. And... I now just now they're able to call it PTSD, right? I still can't see anxiety in myself. I other people have to tell me that I'm anxious. And I, I'm now getting conscious of it. That's a person that I work with people. Mm-hmm. That's why I said I told you guys I'm very honest. I, I try to be open that I'm on this journey with you. But and to not even be able denial. to recognize it, I'm sorry. Is it part of your, Is it denial though? Because sometimes you have to look at that. Because that sometimes it could be just denial. No, I'm straight up like I. I, I well, and, and you also got to remember they'll call it ADHD. Yeah. Right. You're just flighty, or you're just like energetic, or I fidget a lot, or I move my yeah. like a foot. 
or yeah. like my foot and it'll be like stop doing that yeah but i don't even realize i'm yeah. doing it yeah mm. it's and, and it requires a, a consciousness and a, and a self-awareness that even i'm having to learn you know i you go get a degree in anything or whatever yeah. but you're still human and you still have to learn within yourself um and i'm still learning i literally am having to learn within myself so for the listener, it's something that you it's you got to be conscious. You got to desire to see it, right? But then, like Tanya said, you got to be able you got to be okay with seeing it in someone else and and letting them know because we need each other. We need that feedback, and especially in times like these, like you said, you know, yeah, that's all sweet and cute and everything that that you want to march. You've seen the mem. The, the kids marching out oh we, for gun violence well where were you when the when the Columbine. child was being when the child was being yeah. bullied that's true when Everybody the child was well aware of it yes yeah. you you called the person crazy or you bullied him and that's another thing let me get on my high horse right quick <laughs> please deal with the bullying if your child is a bully or if your child is being bullied can we've got to get on it it has to stop people already carrying a heavy load you know, let's be a little bit kinder and, and you know, with each other. I'm, hey, I, I'm working at it, too. But we got to do it. Um, but you see, so what would be the signs and the symptoms? You saw this guy kind of like. Just he was just real tensed up tight. Mm-hmm. Just like he was. Like I said, if he had a gun right there, he. He probably would have popped off. Yeah. He was just, you could just yeah. tell he was just looking for something like. Mm-hmm. What am I, I'm, I'm going to get that. Somebody about to get. Yeah. Feel, feel, catch these hands or something. Yeah. 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 Um, so we've talked about medication. We talked about, uh, the aspect of, you know, getting support. Let's, let's talk about having to spend the night at the hospital. Let's say you do have to go in, uh, to an inpatient experience. Um, I don't know. You want to go there? Yeah, we can go there. <laughs> I've done that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because me, I, I, I escaped. I was like, I ain't doing this. I ain't doing this again. Uh, it was it was interesting. Was it, were you were you scared? I mean, how scared were you, should I say? Um, The very first time, I was very scared, extremely scared. I had tons of anxiety about it. Never been in a hospital before, and this is your first experience in a hospital, okay. dealing with people talking to themselves, and it was just... It was uh, way, this particular hospital was just too much stimulation for me. I got taken out of it pretty quickly. And then any other hospitalizations after that, um, it wasn't scary anymore. Okay. So it became, you knew you, you knew you needed help. You yeah. knew you, need, you were there to get help. Mm. What, um, how does a person become a part of their treatment? You know, so, so you go in and most people are resisting it. I don't know. I don't need to be here. I don't want to do this. But it sounds like you went in and you were like, hey, I need to be a part of this. How does a person do that? Just stop fighting it. Just participate. Go to the groups. Talk about anything that's bothering you. Any feeling that you're having, discuss it. Um, I've learned that positive coping skills have done just wonders for me. Um, I just go in there and I try to learn. And I listen to other people's story because you really are not alone. That's amazing. That when you feel like you're alone and no one understands, we're in an environment where other people understand completely. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I always say the only place I ever felt comfortable was at the crazy house or on stage because yeah. those are about the only ones that really know. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, and I'll say that, too, with the people that I work with, I think that um, it's, I get it. I told man, when, when a person's like, look, I'm, I'm just done. Right. I'm done. I feel you. 
<laughs> but let me show you something. Let me show you some tools, right? Let's let's get some tools. Uh, the doctor's got some tools. You know, we got some therapy tools to, to show you something different. Tanya, tell us about your first experience. <laughs> um, the inpatient. I, yes. I didn't like the facility, yeah. per se, but the people uh, just just listening to everybody else, no matter how bad you have it, there's always going to be someone out there that's worse. Man. And it just, it's, it's where you can um, not feel alone. Yeah. 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 Now, and, yeah. and you should use the resources that they have there. Just participate, like you said. A lot of people will stay in their rooms. Um, and actually, one funny thing they did, um, <laughs> they put me in there with the deaf mute that kept screaming at the top of her lungs. Oh, and I was like, you do realize I have insomnia real bad as it is, but um, <laughs> yeah, they moved me to a different room. But I was just like, this isn't going to work. But um, that was a funny thing that happened while I was there. Were yeah, you able to good. sleep? Were you because you struggle with sleep? Were you able to sleep? No. <laughs> okay. It, it's difficult to because that's what our patients will say. It's just a little difficult bit to hard to sleep. Um, I have issues with in, with insomnia, but when I go in, they always give me the good stuff. So they knock you out. Yeah, knock you out. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget. Um, I when I went to nursing school, I remember one of the the nurses saying that you know in, in this aspect of psych, she said, you know, you have people in there that probably have they're tired and like going into the hospital is that one time that they get to rest. rest right? <laughs> she said, you know, it's fools probably in there just acting out just so they can, you know, get, get, get medicated and get themselves calm because their life is so chaotic on the outside. Um, that's another thing I'll submit. And like I said, we're, we're probably going to end up having to do show number two and three and on and on and on. And that's the goal. Obviously it's going to come down the pipe, but um, I, I want people to, you know, consider the fact that our lives are chaotic. I think a big part of mental illness is it's, it's just the mind having to respond to chaos. Mm -hmm. And when you have to respond to chaos for too long, it's action and reaction. You can't do it anymore. You're going to have, you're going to have a, a limit to how far you can react to, to, to the crazy <laughs> before you reflect it. Right. That's what this is. That's all it is. I'm just, <laughs> just it. reflecting it. I'm just mm -hmm. reflecting it. So um, we're we're still wrapping up. Man, this is this is powerful. I hope you're feeling it. I hope you're getting it. I hope that you are. Um, I hope you're feeling a little bit stronger. I hope that you're feeling like you know what you need to do with this uh, as you continue listening on. You're here with Latanya, Ashley, and Tonton on Mental Speak Radio Show. I remember when. I remember when I lost my mind There was something so pleasant about that place Even your emotions had an echo And so much space And when you're out there without care Yeah, I was out of touch But it wasn't because I didn't know enough I just knew too much Does that make me crazy? Does that make me crazy? 
speak show Latani Davison here we are wrapping up a very very powerful discussion on mental illness amongst black women the discussion obviously transcends gender it transcends uh, the color of our skin and we know a lot of people can can draw from this show and from this discussion so please revisit it share it on Facebook like us uh, on mental speak um, and I upload all the shows to the www.mentalspeakradio.com page so you can listen uh, again and again and you can share as people need. This is a very important show, man. This is, this is just the beginning. It's just the beginning, just one. So I want to leave you with, because the number one thing for the black community particularly is access to resources. So I've pulled up, this is from the NAMI website, the National Treatment Referral Helpline. It is 800-662-4357. 800-662-HELP, and that's 4357. And Ashley has the National Suicide Prevention hot, uh, Hotline. So it's 1-800-273-8255. They're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Courage. It takes courage. You said it, Ashley. How does a person gather that courage? How do they build up the courage to get help? How do they how do they even begin? I think at some point I can only speak for myself and my my experience is that even with all the darkness and sadness, there was this little bitty light of hope that maybe if I go get help that I'll be there at that some point. Tanya. Courage. Well, I didn't have the courage by myself, For just sure. along with my friends that got me to where I needed to be. Yeah, I, 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 I can only say that it's become something probably, I mean, I think I, I feared talking about it too, 
I, I think I did for sure it is embarrassing. I don't think I would ever have told. I, and again, I didn't know what was going on with me. Now that I could can label it, you know, and I can attribute it to military service for me. Um, and also to genetic, you know, like I said, I found out from my mom. I think a lot of people, what the, the first step is beginning to look at your family, look at your family behavior, look at family history. If grandma, if everybody always said grandma seemed a little off, right? Um, just talking to you has led me to thinking of some, some, some topics. A mother with schizophrenia, that's a whole... It's hard. That's a whole other show. Yeah. But to be able to... to how scary is that to see it? And I, I guess I don't... I know that's a whole other show, but to see that and then have to consider it in yourself. Um, it's scary, but it's mainly depressing for me um, just to feel like... Um, we're me and her are both in the same boat, I guess you might say. Have you and you've uncovered it in your family? You've seen it. Um, yeah, I've heard from other relatives that depression. Um, some older ones um, that it was in the family, and um, some of my brothers have um, depression also. Okay, so I seem to be the only one that's off in my family. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's worked out though, a little bit. Doing comedy, doing a little, doing a little something with my life. I don't know, but <laughs> like you, Tanya, I draw from that. I think a lot of people who go into comedy do. People who go into the helping professions do, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You draw from that place of that that darkness that you've experienced. And one thing that that I really submit to to people is you got to understand how much how much courage it takes to go to that dark place and then come back mm -hmm. and then go again <laughs> and then come back, right? That cycle of lows and highs, but you still keep going. How do you keep going? I don't know. <laughs> Man, <laughs> Tanya, this is a strong woman here, I'm telling you. Like, she don't even know. You're still here. Yeah. I don't know how, but I am. Ashley? For me, um, back in 2013, I was hospitalized again, um, inpatient. And this therapist was just like, why is suicide an option? So I just put options on the table. And it's really, I'd rather get help than to die. I'd rather get help than to die. Mm. Yeah. No matter how painful that process is, sometimes getting help is painful. Having to talk about stuff that is not easy not to talk fun. about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At all. Fun. At yeah. all. <laughs> I always tell people, it's like, if you had gangrene and you had a sore on your leg that, you know, is they're going to have to dig it out, mm -hmm. right? They're going to have to, they're going to have to go in and cut it out before it can start to heal. And it's going to hurt like hell. It's going to hurt. But when, it, when you get that out... It's going to feel a whole lot better, mm -hmm. right? It's going to have a chance to heal. Um, and there may be a scar, right? Maybe a little bit of a scar, but it's to remind you that, look, the human condition right now is a little bit of struggle. But I do believe that we can evolve. I believe that we can evolve from, from the lows. Um, again, mental illness is simply a reflection to you that the environment, human beings would live in pristine conditions, right? You think, really think about it. Remove Western society. 
and our our life would mostly be spent right hunter gathering and making babies like if you really want to get down to it but no we work you have to work to survive and this is just our reality so two things do we do we die or do we figure it out do we you know do we keep pushing and figure out how to evolve it's going to take helping each other it's going to it's going to take being brave stepping up being courageous being honest being real with yourself stepping out of denial and listening to mental speak what because <laughs> that's what i'm gonna do every week every week i'm gonna bring topics that help you to get to the root of whatever it is that you're going through there's so many different topics that we cover uh issues going on in society um that we're having to respond to and mental illness is simply just telling you that your body is not in a position to respond and it needs to take time to rest okay ashley words for the people what do they need to do go get help if you're feeling like you want to kill yourself or if you want to hurt anybody else go ahead and seek help time time um just make sure you at least have one person you can trust that you know that has your back yeah support network um keep going until you find that person if you don't have support seek out therapy there are um in your county wherever you live if you're in the united states uh i guarantee you your county will have uh, some form of outreach through uh your mental health uh, facilities talk to somebody okay um but more than anything else, I just want to say to, to all of you listening, you are not alone, right? To black women alike and to, to all whose, whose ears we speak, you're not alone at all. We've been there. We're still going through. We're still healing. We're still working in the process. And you can keep it moving and you can find help. I want to say, uh, again, Mental Speak family, we're global. Fishbowl is growing there are so many amazing shows across the board here. It, come on and check us out. FBRN.us. You'll find me here on Mental Speak every Friday, broadcasting on the Red Stream, live from the Red Bowl, uh, 5 to 7 p.m. Central. And uh, again, you can listen back to the shows uh, as you need. I want to thank these wonderful, amazing, courageous ladies for being here. And just, wow, this is you did it. Yay. Thanks for having us. Yes, Thank you. Us. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of us. We went there. We did it. We got it out. So, family, be strong. Be encouraged, man. This is, it's a condition, right? It's a condition and there is help for it. So, again, I will be here. I will be here uh, for you, bringing you ways to find emotional and mental balance. Middle Speak family, thank you so much for tuning in. Mm-hmm.